Amen. If you've got your uh, bulletin, please turn to the back of it or if you've got a handout. Um, very rarely do... My gift is preaching and we thought that it was the most effective way to communicate in this series called You Asked For It. And what we did with You Asked For It is for the first two Sundays we uh, talked about what the Bible said about the subject of fear and why we were teaching on the subject of fear you were uh, participating in a vote of what you want to know what the Bible says next. And that's where the series name comes from. You asked for it. And you asked that, to allow the Bible to explain what it means and the difference between your flesh and your spirit. And we started that study last week. And if you'll look at, this is last week's handout, but this time it's all filled in. And what we learned was that you are born with your original operating system that was inherited by Adam and the rebellion in the garden. And you were born a sinner in need of a Savior. And because of that, you were driven by your flesh. And we're going to hear what the definition of that is in a moment. But it's your flesh is something that you cannot trust. And we're going to talk about that. And because we were driven by our flesh, we were rooted in sin... And we become a self-centered life, an egocentric life, which meant that we were in the center of our universe and everything was me, 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 me. And then if you'll look at your outline, you'll see a little red circle right in the middle of those two trees. And because before we get to that circle, you'll see the fruit of the flesh is impurity, sensuality, anger, envy, sexual immorality, and idolatry. And that was a part of our life. And then all of a sudden the cross. And you have this transformational moment with the power of the cross where you are revealed by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is your Savior. And all of a sudden you ask Him to forgive you of your sins. And in that moment transformation happens. And you are never any more saved than you are saved at that moment. Now there's a lot of potential for you to become more and more sanctified through the power of, your, of God's Word. But you will never be more saved than at that moment. You are saved, separated. You are, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. And what a transformation because you once were self-centered and now God becomes the center of our universe and we begin to love God with all of our hearts and our minds and we're willing to reorient our priorities where we once were living for self and everything that self could accumulate. All of a sudden now God is sitting there in the throne of our lives and we think that God's worthy of that but then the Bible goes even further and says now you can't even be second because the Bible says love God with all your heart your mind and your soul and then love your neighbor and then see that's a little tougher because now this new operating system is not just about loving God but now about loving others as much as we love ourselves and that's a, such a drastic change but because we are being driven by the Holy Spirit it produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patient, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the Bible starts in chapter 5 of the book of Galatians saying this, but I say walk by the Spirit. Look at your neighbor and say walk. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. That means they're simply at war with one another. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, say led. 
you are not under the law. Now, the work of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things such as these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, bless the authority of your word. See, when I read scriptures like this and we start filling out things like this, all of a sudden I immediately, I'm one of those guys that like to um, know that my, my math teachers used to really get upset with me because I just somehow understood the language of math. And so I thought it was more important to just put down the right answer. But I found out very quickly and my grades reflected it that they were encouraged and wanted to see the work as much as the answer. They wanted to know, and I would tell them, I just do it in my head. They said, well, now do it on paper. And they wanted to know the process because I just wanted to get to the answer. And all of us in our lives, in our spiritual walk, want to get to that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we ask ourselves, well, the Bible, and, and sometimes we as ministers, we, we fail to communicate effectively because we say this. We say, just go read the Bible. And then you read Galatians chapter 5 and it says to be led and to walk in the Holy Spirit. But nobody knows how to do that. You know, I'm the guy that asked the second question. Like, okay, God, I'm now understanding that uh, it's clear you want me to walk and be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you do that and why is it important? See, one of the reasons that it's important is God knows the chaos that can be created in our lives by trying to operate under both systems. And the book of James talks about it. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Not some of his ways, not a few of his ways, but all of his ways. And then when I got to studying that scripture, I realized that the word, the Greek word there for unstable is staggering drunk. So he's telling you that if you try to operate in both systems and you're trying to divide your time between the flesh and the spirit, you're going to look like you're walking staggering drunk. And who wants to live their lives like a staggering drunk? I've never heard anybody say, you know what, I'm going to emulate a staggering drunk in my life. I want the chaos that is, is uh, evident in a staggering drunk's life. I'd like to emulate that and just walk in that way to where I'm not really stable in anything. I can't be stable in being a husband. I can't be stable in being a father. I'm just staggering drunk. No, the Bible says, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to go about uh, your life like a staggering drunk so now I've got to be led by the spirit and so I want to ask you can it because the Bible is very evident the reason we can't uh, walk around like a staggering drunk is because we can't trust our flesh see our flesh is driven by emotion and when you are making your decisions strictly by the basis of the passion of your emotions you're going to live a roller coaster life because it depends on how you feel that day the problem is, is your feelings can deceive you, even lie to you. You say, Pastor, I, my feelings never lie to me. I got discernment. I'm, I, well, how many of you wrote a note in the third grade that says, Hey, do you like me? Check yes or no. 
And then the little girl or the little boy checked no. And your feelings were, this is love at first sight. They're, 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 they didn't get the memo. And so we can't hardly trust our feelings because when you're making every decision based upon how you feel, sometimes you can't make a hard decision that's necessary because they don't feel good. They're difficult. You know, like in the parenting game, you know, now Clay and Sarah have a, a, a Sadie. She's what, three, two or three, something like that, three. And they haven't quite got to teenagers yet, but now they got Savannah as well. And there's a time. Right now, they get to go up. And how many of you can praise the Lord for being grandparents? Say amen. You know, because we get to say you can have whatever you want and then tell the parents it's your responsibility to raise them. Uh, we're just here. We raised you, so now it's your turn. But Clay and Sarah have a responsibility to parent correctly. And as these girls grow up, there's going to be a time where daddy has to say no. And he's not going to be popular, but it's the right decision. So we can't base everything that we have uh, because we can't be navigated with our flesh. But how can we trust the Holy Spirit? If the Bible, well, the Bible says to be led, why? Because God knows that the flesh will deceive you and almost sometimes even lie to you. But the Holy Spirit is grounded in truth. Look at your neighbor and say, grounded in truth. You say, what do you mean when, when you say grounded in truth? When the Bible says something in three, different or in three consecutive chapters, one right after another, it's something to pay attention to. And do you know what? That the Bible in the book of John in chapter 14, 15, and 16 all describe the power of God, the Holy Spirit, with the same verbiage. Listen to the 14th chapter in verses 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another help to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Well, we can celebrate that, but then John's not through. He goes to chapter 15 in verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you say, oh man, now I've read this thing twice. But when you get it three times in chapter 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Now the Bible uses a strange word there in the 16th chapter. He says the spirit of truth will come and he will guide you. The Greek word there literally means tour guide. <coughs> That's important. Because I told first service that there's a big difference between how I traveled and how Michelle's family traveled. And Eric and Michelle, uh, normally they're working in children's ministry, and this is Michelle's brother. And so now I've got two people that can, I can offend, Michelle and her brother and my sister-in-law. But they traveled like the journey was more important than the destination. So it took them like 10 days to make a two-day trip because they stopped at every bull peanut stand. And pe if there was a sign that says pecans for sale, they wanted to see who was selling pecans. <laughs> now, 
the, the pleasance, we were travelers in a different mode. We were about getting there and spending as much time wherever we were going. So we were blazing through fast food drive throughs and say, you better use the bathroom now because we're not stopping for 200 miles. Well, Dad, I gotta go. there's a bottle in the back. Yeah. It was tough, man. <laughs> and then me and Michelle had our own family. And we decided that we, were, we started taking a few vacations. Now, we were really, 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 really broke and poor. And, and when we started taking these vacations, we would go to places and there would be opportunities to have a tour guide. And we'd say, oh, we don't need that. Just give me a map. And I'd get that map and I'd say, okay, we're going to go to the beach. And then the beach was all messed up and, and because I didn't know where to go. I could get to the water, but the beach wasn't as pretty as it was, uh, you know, where other people would be coming back to the cruise ship and they'd be going, oh, man, we had this wonderful snorkeling drive. And we're like, and, my, and Michelle's all with that frustrated face like, you know, we could have went and done that. But we didn't, we didn't think we had the money. And so, like, one time we went to Nassau, and, and here is it, it, you, what you have to understand is that Nassau, they rent the sand, you can't just walk out in, uh, on the uh, facilities of Nassau uh, at Atlantis and just act like you're going to go to the beach. And I'm like, I don't want to buy anything. I want to just go. And so what we did was we found the map and we got as close as we could to that invisible line where the, the Atlantis property started. And we would kind of just move a step until somebody started asking us. But now we don't have any towels. And if we break out our towels, they're going to know we're different than them. And they're going to ask us to leave. And then we're hungry and we go to get food and now it cost us like $29 a piece to get a hot dog and some chips but we realized that if we'd have went on the tour that was all included <laughs> see you may be able to go to Panama City and you'll be able to see some of the sites you'll find Pier Park but if you go with me I grew up there and there'll be a big difference between you going by yourself and you going with me because I can show you the little places that look like holes in the walls, but they're most the, one of the most delicious restaurants in town. I can take you and you can go spend $85 to go out deep sea fishing with a bunch of people and you're going to catch a beeliner about this big and you're going to catch a lot of them. But if you go with me, I know where the fishing spots are and we're going to catch grouper and snapper. See, there's a difference between your map and having a tour. And so what God was telling us through scripture is that I've given you the map, but some of you aren't going to understand the details of the map. How many of you have read a chapter in this Bible and not understood it? Amen. But that's why he's saying, I gave you the map and I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to be your tour guide into truth. Because you're going to be deceived if you are led by your flesh. It's going to lie to you. It's going to deceive you. But if you become led by me, then I am going to take you because I'm not only taking you to the truth, I'm founded in truth. I have the essence of truth and I know the truth about you because I was there when you were conceived. And I know how God made you and how he gifted you and I can walk you towards that place. And then the Bible tells us something that follows after we decide that we're going to be led by the spirit of truth. It tells us that there is a... a um, a maturing process. You should not be in the same state as you were when you got saved. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Yes, you're not going to be any more saved, but grow up. For the Bible says this. Listen to this powerful scripture. It says in Romans chapter 8 verse 14. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. The problem with that word son is it doesn't mean baby. 
it means mature man. So all of a sudden now we go know that if we start being led by the spirit of truth that he's going to lead us into truth and not only lead us into truth of who we are and who we were created to be and how we are to reveal the glory of God but he's going to take us through a maturing process that makes us different than what we were when we started. You're not any more saved but you can be a lot more sanctified. Can somebody say amen? What do you mean by that, Pastor? I told you last week that when I got saved, when I had my transformational moment, I had a terrible mouth. My language was bad. And I wish that I could tell you, I said, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. And those words, I never spoke those words again, but they started showing up again. The only problem this time after the prayers, I was convicted. And the Holy Spirit said, David, that word's not going to send you to hell. But you have a bigger vocabulary in that, and that makes you look dumb. I didn't like to look dumb. I said, well, help me. And he started leading me and allowing the transformation that happened to me on the inside to start showing itself on the outside. So what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Pastor, get to the point. You're 15 minutes into this thing and we're ready to go. I need my team to come and help me. I need our worship team to come up here. I figured if they're up there on stage, they're getting all the little... Lights showing at them, they should be the examples today. See, there's a difference between being led by the Spirit and following. See, most of us in our spiritual life, we want to follow God. Well, man, I lost some players. <laughs> so let's just stack them up. Dave, you and Eric get right here side by side. Jody, you get right here beside Courtney and Mark, you and Michelle. See, what we do in our lives, our spiritual walk, when we think that we are being led by the Spirit, it's more about, it looks more like Daytona 500. See, these are race cars. But the problem is there's a pace car in front of them. And the rules say you cannot pass the pace car. And so we're living our lives just following the pace car because there's a rule that the Bible says we have to follow God. And so, but we remain independent because the people are driving those cars. And so we're going to make this turn here. We're going through turn two. And we're coming back down the back stretch. And what they're waiting for is they're getting up to speed. And what happens in the Daytona 500 was when we get to pit road, the pace car goes off. And that tells them they can do anything that they want to do now. They can bump each other. They can try to pass each other. Get back in line. We're going to go back this way. This time. <laughs> but that's how a lot of people live their spiritual life. I've got a rule that I'm supposed to be obedient to what the Bible says, but I can't wait for God to be looking the other way so I can do what I really want to do. And I go to church on Sunday, but on Monday when the pace car's off the, off the track, I drive any way I want to drive. See, this is more like following the Holy Spirit, but this is not what the Bible teaches about being led or walking in the Holy Spirit because it's not about the Daytona 500. What the scripture is literally doing is telling you it looks more like a train. Now hold hands, guys. And you hold. Where the Holy Spirit is not the pace car, but it's the locomotive. 
and the power of God is the, and the sovereignty of God, the Holy Spirit, and the truth of who you really are. He is guiding your life. He is supplying the power. The only responsibility you have is connection. The caboose does not tell the locomotive where to go. The locomotive is going. The boxcar doesn't tell him where to go. It's just connected. And as long as it's connected, it will go wherever the locomotive tells it to go. So when we're going up the hill, we got to believe that the Holy Spirit is telling us there's a trial coming. There's a trial coming. Celebrate the power of the mountaintop because we're fixing to go through the valley. But when we go through the valley, don't forget who is driving this train. Don't forget who is leading you to the other side. Don't forget where the truth is because in the midst of the valley your your emotions and your flesh will rise up and say disconnect from the train but as long as you stay with your responsibility of connection to the train you say pastor what does that even mean thank you guys (coughs) John chapter 15 doesn't use the analogy of a train because there wasn't any trains invented yet so he gives you the next best thing He said there's a branch and a vine. And a couple of weeks ago I went to North Florida and because of the storm there's a lot of trees that blew over. And because there's a lot of trees that blew over there's no shade. And so the weeds and the underbrush and the briars could grow without restraint. And literally the 200 yards that I had to walk from year before was over my head in briars. And I had to cut through with a machete. And sometimes I would get to a wild oak sapling about that big around. And it would have a limb. And I would, in my way, and I'd cut that limb off to make a clear path. You know how hard it is. It wouldn't matter how much um, um, positive thinking that that oak tree limb had on the ground. If it said, i got to produce an acorn. It can't. Because it's disconnected. And there's no power of production in the branch. The power's in the tree or the vine. So the Bible tells us to be led by the Spirit is stay connected. Because a lot of times, just like me, you want to look at the answers to the test and you just want to study the test. Like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you want to produce those in your life, but you got to be connected to produce them. Because you consistently can't have them in the flesh. Well, pastor, I'm not even saved and I love somebody. Brother or sister, I don't mean to degrade your emotional connection to somebody else. But when it comes to love here, it's not just talking about your romantic love. It talks about a love that's so deep you can love your enemy. Oh, wait a minute. I can't do that in my flesh. That's impossible. That's why you got to stay connected. Because God will empower you and enable you to do something you didn't think was possible. For two weeks after today, we are going to talk about forgiveness. It is going to set you free because some of you in this place don't think it's possible for you to forgive an offender. But through the power of the Holy Spirit enabling you, you are going to be set free. Amen. But if I'm connected, see I never have to worry about If I'm that limb and I'm connected to the oak tree, all I got to do is be the conduit through connection. Because the essence and the DNA of that oak tree is going to be passed through the limb to the end 
and it's going to bud and it's going to have an acorn and everything that is needed in, the, in an oak tree is inside the acorn. So when I stay connected, being led by the Holy Spirit and when my flesh rises up, you say, Pastor, will my flesh rise up? Here's, here's when you know that you're in a different place. When you use scary movies as an example for uh, your sermon, that's when you know either pastor's crazy uh, or I'm in a different place. How many of you have ever watched a scary mo movie? Say amen. I mean, what are we on? Friday the 13th, 89? And the reason we're at 89 is because they kill him in every movie. And somehow or another, he gets back up. Well, that's what can happen in your flesh. As you can crucify him every day, but some days he'll want to get up and try to drive again. He'll want to come back and he'll want you to react on how you feel instead of what we are being led to do by the Holy Spirit. He'll say, get, get revenge. And the Holy Spirit will whisper and say, give mercy. Because mercy triumphs over judgment. Get even. Pray for them. But God, I don't want to pray for them. But yeah, but the Holy Spirit and that train is telling you pray for them. And all of a sudden you see transformation in their life. And all of a sudden you didn't go for an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But you showed mercy and compassion. And all of a sudden now they're saved. See, that's what being led by the Holy Spirit's all about. It's about staying connected to the branch and the, the vine connected to the, uh, the branch connected to the vine. And if you stay connected, I promise you that God the Holy Spirit will produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So would you close your eyes for a moment? And ask yourself, say, God, am I being led by you? Or am I lead, is my flesh leading my life? Am I trying to do a little bit of both and that's what's causing me to act like a staggering drunk? And now I know through scripture I can really trust you to lead my life because you are the spirit of truth. And you know the truth about me. So, Father, as I stand here and sit here today in your presence, I want to surrender my life to you leading me like a train, like a locomotive that I'm connected to.